Jewish people come down all of 70 soul, um, which doesn't count the wives, and in a short period of time, the Jewish people start to increase. And again, it's debatable if you want to call them the Jewish people now, if we become the Jewish people when we get the Torah, that's neither here nor there. But we start out as 70, and in a short period of time, 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, all of a sudden thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and all of a sudden something very strange happens. What's that? Well, Joseph is dead. He's yeah, died. He's, he's died. We have a new pharaoh, or somebody who acts like a new pharaoh, and all of a sudden he completely turns on the Jewish people. And the reason being? And that's an excellent question. It's an excellent question because we didn't really do anything wrong. We had moved into the country. For the most part, we probably tried to mesh and merge with the Egyptians. We did not marry Egyptians. No, but we didn't marry. There was not the intermarriage, but there was the interaction of our society with theirs and the demand for the grain, for some supplies and all the other things that the Egyptians themselves already had. So that, if I'm correct, took away from their civil, their population. So it doesn't say in the commentaries anything about the Egyptians getting nervous over the grain. What it really, what the rabbis, the commentaries say is a, a fascinating thought. And we're going to back up for a second. I asked my class the following question. These are third graders in Yeshiva's Dachai Torah, a, 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 a day school. We teach Torah in the morning. We teach uh, secular studies in the afternoon. And I said, by raise of hands, who has heard of George Washington? Just wanted I, to check. And I just so hope everybody's hand went everybody's up. Everybody's hand went up. Okay. I, I said, you understand. I mean, he was around over 200 years ago. I mean, this is before your time, your parents, your grandparents. How do you know who he was? And I went around the class, and they all said different answers. Father of the country, Revolutionary War, first president, got on all. the dollar bill. I mean, they, they knew. They understood. They got it. Okay, so I ahead. said, why is – you know, he's an important player, obviously, in American history. Right. So it is impossible to learn American history without knowing George Washington. Correct. So I said to them, I said, well, let's look now at Egypt. Joseph turned Egypt into a world power. And even if you want to say the commoners, the farmers, they didn't know too much history. But if you are a leader of a country, you automatically must learn your history. It's just automatic. All kings, all princes, there's certain parts of your education. Who are you? What are you? What kind of country are you in? Where'd your country come from? You had to know Joseph. And the verse says, a new king came who didn't know Joseph which is a little hard to fathom. Yeah, where was he from? I mean, like, under I mean, the rock. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be from somewhere. It can't be. Well, we have, we've had people in government from the state of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've run into all <laughs> kinds who conveniently don't remember things. Yes. So the answer is that the only way it's possible to, first of all, not remember Joseph, but not only not remember Joseph, but, be, but to be able to enslave his relatives is to be a person of tremendous, if it's a real word, ingratitude. A, a, not just a lack of gratitude, but no gratitude. If you had any sense of gratitude, how could you do something to this person's family? Very you simple. are only because of him. Very simple. 1932. 
Okay, go ahead. The Holocaust. We start with Adolf Hitler coming in, sharing with the German people at the time, you know, your plight is not what it is now, and we're going to share with you why it has changed and who changed it. Who made your life miserable all of a sudden? The scapegoat clause. Scapegoat all the time, and for the most part, it's generally not true. Correct. But, but it's but, amazing. We're going to talk about it. it's all this. about salesmanship. Right. As an so. expert salesman <laughs> that you are, and one that I work on at times. <laughs> yes, we, we're all salesmen. We, 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 we sell our children also for the same price. We sell everything. <laughs> we don't sell for the same price. No, 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 no. It's a different price. Yeah, No, no, not the same price. Not at all. But so let's think about that for a second. These are two excellent examples, and it's really our history. Our history is that we we enter a country, we come in, we're poor. This could be almost Anywhere. any culture. And we build it up. We build it up. We become important. And, and all of a sudden, everybody hates us. Why does that happen? Because the leader wants to make sure that everybody focuses on that individual independently and not on the populace. Well, that's how he does it. But why does he want to do it? Oh, it's an ego-driven. It's, 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 it's not a mindset. It's an ego set. To become the dictator, to become the emperor, to become the pharaoh, to become elevated to such a degree like he wants to be God, he must let everybody else know that their plight has been challenged by these people. So he has to create a situation to allow him to be a dictator. Correct. Fascinating. I'm going to tell you a different idea. Share it with us. And this idea, again, keeps repeating itself throughout history. And that is, again, you have to think about it. The Jewish people as a nation, Mark Twain talks about it, the Jewish people as a nation have been around a very long time. I mean, longer than the Chinese. Longer than the Chinese. Which longer. really goofs up. And we had to ask this question, because we always talk about Jewish humor. If the Jews came a thousand years before the Chinese, where did they go to dinner? At least on, on, on Christmas, you mean. Yeah. <laughs> right? I do want to know he did have Chinese. <laughs> I do want to know that. I just want to know, where did they go to dinner all those thousand years? Yeah, so that's a very, very good question. I'm not sure the answer. But again, I did want to make sure that it was clear that I told my wife, I said, hey, we can get Chinese. Nothing's happening today. So she ordered and I went and picked it up. We, I'm proud of you. I figured you'd appreciate yeah, that, uh, that piece of information. I did always wonder, I actually once asked somebody where this custom came from. Do you know where it came from? I'm waiting. It came from that, that on Christmas all the stores were closed. Mm -hmm. The only ones who had their stores open were the Chinese. So the Jews needed a place to eat out. So you always ended up eating Chinese. Chinese. Anyways, that's, uh, that's the story. Moving goes. right along. Let's just move right along. So anyways, so it says like this. So think about it. We've been around for thousands of years. We, have, we, we do get involved in other cultures, but at the end of the day, any country we've been in, especially all the ones we've been thrown out of, we've, we've, we've remained Jewish as a nation, and we've remained separate. How is that possible with, throughout history? We talked about it on Hanukkah. You can look at Spain with the expulsions, if you'd like. We were always part of their culture. We, we were just like them. For most, most of the Jews, you couldn't even tell the difference. Who's Jewish, who's not Jewish, you couldn't tell. So God made a promise, I guess, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and said, I will not allow the Jewish people to disappear. The only way he can make sure we don't disappear is as the Jewish people spread out in each country they show up in and they start acting. Diaspora. 
and, and any country you want. It's, Correct. We'll pick them all. We'll go through them. So God says, I'm going to have to do something about this. And what he does is he, he creates a situation where whichever nation, it could be Germany. I mean, they went back historically. They checked the books. They checked your birth records to great-great-grandparents to see if there's any Jewish blood. Because God says, I am not allowing the Jewish nation to disappear. So either on your own you're going to make sure you stay a Jewish nation, or God says, I'm going to make them hate you, which is really almost counterintuitive to what we think. Historically, we think, I'm going to be just like them, I'm going to act like them, I'm going to, they're going to be my best friends, and therefore they'll reciprocate. And history has shown that that hasn't really happened yet. No. Not really. No, not at all. Not, and Germany becomes, again, another perfect example of, uh, uh, I mean, we were all over the place in banking and in industry and in everything. We were, we were friends with them. We were part of their culture. We, we went to the plays, went to theater. We were involved in music, everything. All of the arts. And then oh, it was like overnight, like somebody turned on a switch. Correct. So, uh, so therefore, the, so again, it's an interesting thought that you said that the Pharaoh has to take control. But again, it's still hard to fathom how, how people could do this and show no sense of gratitude to people who took care of you. But the answer is, since I'm going to have to hate you, I'm going to have to forget who you are. It's the only possible way. And therefore, Pharaoh forgets the Jewish people, and he is ready to enslave them. And as you, just before he's ready to enslave them, I'm going to take a little break here. Just to let everybody know, this is New Radio Media, of course. This is New Radio Media. It is great. You're drinking out of a New Radio Media coffee mug. out of my special. Let's talk Torah. Right? That's so they can't see it over oh, there. They'll, they'll swing the cameras around. When they around. swing my cameras yeah, around. swing the camera around so we can see the... Uh, the, the See, see my nice mug. I love the mug. I love the mug. We love the mug. We I love the photo. A nice photo. A nice picture of me. That's me. And you're right behind our great media board. Right here. behind the media board. You know, this cup reminds me of a story this week in class. Okay. So I just in, in class I don't use this kind of mug. No, you use a different mug. Because this mug stays here in the <laughs> studio. But in class I have a thermos because I like my coffee to stay hot for a couple hours. So recently, like all mugs, after about a year, they're dirty. You clean them. They say, "Horrible!" I bought a new mug. It sits on my desk, and without fail, the kids knock over the mug. Somebody puts something on my desk. So this time again, a boy put his folder on my desk. The mug goes toppling over, no problem, except it's spilling all over the floor. So, And I'm not even thinking because, you know, my mug has its cap on, and it's supposed to be fine. It shouldn't be breaking till I realize I finally pick it up, and the top had snapped. Ha! Huh. My beautiful mug. How about that? So this child, who is now almost traumatized because he has knocked over my coffee, and in class, like a joke, and I was like, my coffee, my coffee, I love my coffee, can't stop my day without my coffee, need my coffee, <laughs> and here my coffee spilled on the floor, and now what is he going to do? So I told him the only thing that really made sense. I said, go, please get some paper towels. We have to clean up our mess. absorb it. We have to absorb it, yes. So we did not have Bounty, and they're not one of my advertisers yet. But we'll work on it. We're going to work on them as an advertiser, so whatever it takes. we have that. We're New Radio Media. Once again, if they want to join in and reach us. They can join us at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Or they can email us at letstalktorah at gmail.com. Or you can join our Facebook page 
at Let's Talk Torah. And if you're joining the Facebook page, so that's easy. I send out all the reminders to everybody to make sure they know exactly when the show is, if we're having difficulties or not difficulties. A great way to keep track of what's going on with the show. So let's keep track. We've got the new pharaoh in town. So new pharaoh in town. So pharaoh is going to enslave the Jewish people. Now, this is debatable what he did because it's 3,300 years ago and changed. So some say he did something quite brilliant. Um, He said, we're going to have Build Your Country Day. Build Your Country Day. Build Your Country Day. All the patriots, all those who love Egypt will gather on a certain day, and we will all make bricks to build cities. And I must tell you, historically, when the Jews are excellent when it comes to being patriots, you can again pick, go back with those who marched with Martin Luther King, you pick whoever you want. We were always at the forefront because it's always been important to us to prove we appreciate the country we're in and we want to help. So sure enough, we show up and we're building bricks. Now, interesting is a side point, not for this week, um, of the 12 tribes, one didn't join. That was the tribe of Levi, the Levites. They did not join in the brick building. And interesting enough, they therefore never became slaves as a side point. So the in mass, you have all these Jews showing up and building bricks. And I give my class examples. If you were excited to do something, if you wanted to show off how good you are at building bricks, you would do much more... Than, uh, than somebody who's doing it as a daily job. Meanwhile, people are keeping track of how many bricks each person can create, how many can make and slap and whatever. And then the next day, the next day, the Egyptians slowly move out and the Jews wake up last and turn around and say, where'd everybody go? Right. Okay, we're done. And then the soldiers came out and said, you're not done. That is one explanation how they became slaves. A, an easier explanation, but this the first one I told you is really from the from the Medrash. Nachmanides says um, we find King Solomon doing this. When you have foreigners in your country, so it seems kings have a right to say, "Look, you're in my country. We take care of you, but we need labor." So what they would do is there would be a a person tax. In other words, we need a hundred thousand laborers. You're going to supply me with a hundred thousand people, and then you're going to have to make sure the families are being taken care of. That's how you pay the taxes. So he did it that way. And again, he took larger and larger numbers and he created them into slaves. One of his reasons for doing this, if he hated the Jewish people, he really should have just tried to kill us. Just exterminate us. Like, you don't like us, you don't want us, whatever you're afraid of. So just get your army out there and kill everybody. So interesting enough, even though we've had different uh, nations, certainly the Jewish people in the Holocaust with genocides. But uh, the commentaries say that no neighboring country or even the populace would have allowed for a genocide. So you weaken them in a different way. So I wasn't going to say weaken. I was going to say that you you turn them, I guess the right answer is into animals, into not people or sub or subhumans. And I was like, I can't go ahead and wipe you out if you're a person like me. So you'll break me down. I don't, have to break, I don't have to make you weak physically. I have to make it in the eyes of everybody else, you are not a person, which is what America did with its slave population. Okay. I mean, all true. Uh, that's Very what happened. Uh, Three-fifths of a vote. I mean, right. this, we've all been through this. So if you're, not, if, you're, if you're not a full-fledged person, well, then I can do whatever I want. I'm going to train the people what to do. That's 
on that's one pur- uh, purpose. Another purpose was the Pharaoh didn't like this you this amazing increase of population. So he figured he's going to make the Jewish people into slaves. The men are going to be so overworked, they're going to just be done. They're not going to have kids anymore. The, the too tired when they come home, won't, won't want to be with their wives. They'll be done. So the, the population will slowly but surely stop increasing. It'll start to decrease, and he'll have what he wants. He'll have his slaves. The Jewish people will slowly but surely just uh, melt away. But it didn't work. It didn't work. Okay. And it reminded me of an article I saw this week. So we uh, we talked about it a little bit before when right. Ashley um, talked about the American Girl, right? The American Girl doll. Right? Yeah. Ashley, you saw that. So you told me you read the book, and you told yeah. me you never had an American Girl doll. You, nope. you know, I feel bad for your um, upraising that you uh, <laughs> you. I mean, hopefully, you haven't been traumatized by not having your own American Girl doll with glasses and your color hair and and the combs. I mean, I, I know I have girls, so gotcha. I, I, I I've seen I've had more than one. So they made one this week. For astronauts, an American girl astronaut. Why do you think they made an American girl astronaut? So that girls know they can be astronauts? Or they can be anything they want, well, probably. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that would have been my, my guess. And it all comes because, and it's, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's good or bad, it's not the conversation, but it's they want to tell girls, they want to teach girls mm-hmm. you can be whatever you want. Women, feminism, you can be whatever you want, you can be important, you can go out there in the world, you can do great things. And people a lot of times look at at maybe the Torah perhaps and they say, you don't really care about ladies, you only care about men, the ladies are on the side, they're the homemakers, you're not interested in them. So a very interesting thought that this, exactly the point we're up to reminded me of. Um by, by the Passover Seder, when we're sitting around and we're eating our matzah and we're telling stories. So it's very important the women are there. Men, women, everybody, family, everyone has to be there. Because the Talmud says that the reason we merited to leave Egypt is because of the righteous women. And as far as the men were concerned, Pharaoh made us slaves. We, we gave up. We were done. But the women? The women came along and said, you're not giving up. It's not the way we do things. So it was the women that kept the Jewish people going. And, and we, we make that very clear by the Passover Seder that everybody is included. So when people tell me sometimes that, uh, that uh, oh, the Torah or, or a thousand years ago or two thousand years, years ago, nobody cared about ladies, we always cared about ladies. And that's why we make it a point that, that they, it, was in, it was because of those righteous women that we actually got out of Egypt. So that's what I thought of when I saw this uh, American Girl doll thing. And I was, we could have made our own astronaut American Girl dolls if they made American Girl dolls back then. So that's the slavery. So, again, it was to, it was to decrease on the population. Okay. So you're decreasing population. You've got a pharaoh sitting up there with a big ego. The challenges to the Jewish people. Right. And we turn the page. And we turn the page. So that plan didn't work, though. Because of these righteous women, the plan didn't work. So Pharaoh tries two more plans. But you have to know there's another reason why Pharaoh's into this. His astrologers have told him that the Savior, the Moses, will be born, and the Pharaoh has to get rid of him. That's his job. Because if the mo- again they believed in the, the stars, threat, the threat, the threat, the threat, and if they saw in the stars that this was happening, mm-hmm. I guess they understood that they could do battle with this whatever mysterious they saw in the person. stars. This right. mysterious person. 
So therefore, we're going to have to kill him. So he tried two other plans. Plan A. Plan Well, plan A was the slaves. Plan B was an amazing plan. I, I don't think we're going to have time for it this week. But an amazing plan, he told the midwives, the head midwives, that when you help the ladies give birth, like telling all the gynecologists right. or, or obstetricians, that when you help the ladies give birth, if it's a boy, kill him. Firstborn. It doesn't have to be firstborn. Any boy. Because Moses is the third, third. youngest. Right. So, right. so any, any boy that's born, kill. And, and you can't even imagine doing such a thing. But again, history has shown that if you threaten a person the right way, you can convince them to do anything. anything. And, they'll, and they'll say, yeah, I'm following directions, and, and it's not so bad, and, and I had a good reason for it. I mean, we could find this throughout history. We don't have to look too far to find it. No. And that, again, that plan also failed miserably. And then Pharaoh, his advisors said, look, it's, it's imminent. So we have, to throw, we have to just kill all the babies. So all the baby boys, debatable Jewish or even Egyptian, were thrown into the river. Okay, and that's and I think that part, our listeners at New Radio Media probably have no idea. Most listeners, and I'm watching uh, one of the phone calls a little earlier, they all thought it was just the, Jew, the firstborn Jewish child. Yeah, no, it was all the baby boys because in astrology, for those that are experts at looking at the stars and knowing what the future will bring, um, it's not such a perfect science. So it says a boy will be born, and he will take the Jewish people out. But it was, it was a little confused because they couldn't tell if it was a Jewish child or an Egyptian child. Now, the reason they couldn't tell is he was Jewish, but he was raised in Pharaoh's house. So again, in the, in the astrology of it, they couldn't tell. So take them all. So just get rid of all of them. Again, he's a, he's a Pharaoh. Like, what does he care? Uh, the only thing is, as you, as you share this story with us, if you take out all the males and we go one generation forward, there would be nobody there. Yeah, so a, I, it wasn't for a, a long period of time. A little bit of, of a stopgap problem. Yeah, it was not for a very long period of time. Okay. So I told you we're going to get into God's We're going to do that later so on. So we're going to work on that. Yeah, so that's... interesting what happened was, um, and this again we find, we find all over the place, Pharaoh wants to be smarter than God. They all somehow believed in God. And they said, he had his advisors, how can we go ahead and uh, kill this baby boy and not, uh, and not be punished? God's going to punish us. So many weeks ago, we talked about the famous flood, Noah and the flood. And God promised, Noah, I'm not bringing another flood to the world. So Pharaoh said, I'm going to be smarter than God. I'm going to drown the babies. God always punishes measure for measure. He can't drown me. Yeah. So God is still smarter than Pharaoh. And God says, I'm not going to bring a flood. You're going to march right into the Red Sea, and you'll still drown. You'll get swallowed up. So, But he's not the only person who tried to be smarter than God. A lot of people tried it. One was Moses' parents. Moses' parents said, it, this, this slavery is crazy. It's crazy. Pharaoh's killing all the babies. We're just going to separate all the men and women. We'll separate. No more kids. We will force God's hand. Because if we're not married, no more kids. No more kids. No more nations. So, God, you do whatever you want now. He also was trying to be smarter than God. It's like amazing. Everybody has these plans to be smarter than God. His five-year-old daughter, you have to imagine this, the, the, the story, right? If your five-year-old daughter comes to you, you're the leader of the Jewish people. Your little five-year-old says, you know, Dad, you're more wicked than Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh's only killing the boys, you're destroying everybody, God will listen to Pharaoh, won't, but for sure your, your case will take, take place, you're horrible. Now he's listening to his daughter. Right. And he realizes that she's correct. Now most of us, if our, if our child says something and, and really they're right, usually we can't exactly admit they're right. We'll come up with a, an excuse or something to say, well, okay, you know, I see your point and we'll think about it and whatever and we'll forget about it because we can't be proven wrong by a five-year-old. But Moses' father is, is such a great man that it doesn't trouble him that his, if his daughter is right, she's right. And she also said a prophecy that, uh, that, that if they get back married, they'll have Moses. So they remarry, and again, the Egyptians are keeping track. Especially right. if he gets married, we're going to go into the house, we're going to find the baby. And now we're going to start working towards God's sense of humor. So you have to remember, everything we've discussed till now is to clearly say that Pharaoh's goal has two goals. But one of the goals is to make sure that Moses does not survive. Goal number one. That's the, that's the goal we're working on over here. So Moses born, he's born a few months early. So therefore, they don't come to check the house. The but she knows within a few months they're coming. So once it gets close, she puts him in a basket and puts him in the river. Right. And, um, her, and Moses' father, his name is Amram, taps his daughter by the name Miriam on the head and says, what's with your prophecy? Look, we're taking our son. We'll put him in the river already. It's all over. Now, she knows mm-hmm. that she said a prophecy. So she knows that God's going to do a miracle. So I tell my class all the time, if you knew that on the corner a miracle was going to take place, you're going to camp out there for a little while. You, gotta, <laughs> you know something's going to happen. True. Yep. So she goes to watch. Within a short period of time, doesn't matter how much, 20 minutes, whatever, the daughter of Pharaoh, the princess, goes down to the river. She, she, sees, she sees this basket. She has her servants get the basket out of the water. She sees it's a baby. And I, she probably wasn't too old. And basically, as I teach my class, she found a new toy. It says, my baby, my baby. My baby. My baby. And, um, but Moses won't nurse from any of the Egyptian um, nursemaids. So Miriam is there and says, ah, I think I know a Jewish lady who can help you out. So she goes to get Moses' mother, Yocheved. So she comes, ah, oh, you can nurse the baby. Look, it's my baby. But for the next couple of years, I can't feed the kid. Right. So you're going to take him home. I'm going to pay you. I'll give it nourishment. Right. You're going to feed my baby. I'm going to pay you. And, of course, I'm going to have palace guards outside your Securing house the to make sure no one touches my baby. So right. as I told you, God's sense of humor, right, the Pharaoh who's out to kill Moses is, is going to protect him yeah. and paying for his, uh, for his upbringing. So Moses will stay there for about two years. After about two years, he'll come back to the palace and uh, other stories. New role, um, new role for the child. New, new, new roles for the child. So, but th- this whole story reminded me, I told you about the Nigerian prince a little bit. Right. So many, many years ago, I get one of those faxes. I get one of those faxes. And... Um, that, okay, uh, some prince in Nigeria has left you $10 million. If you please send us your, uh, your security number, social security number <laughs> your bank accounts, and your routing numbers, and we'll take care of it, and whatever. So I walked around the office, because I knew what it was, and I said, oh, look at this. And they said, wow, why are you showing us this? 
It's a miracle. Said, it's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. I said, this is not going to save Yeshiva Starchei Torah. That's not why I'm showing oh. it to you. They were a little bit disappointed. I said, I'm showing it to you because I would like you to know what a scam looks like. So if it ever comes your way, and, and they weren't even very good, but it seems they made right. money. And actually, one of those guys who did it was actually arrested this week. Thank God. Yeah, one, one less person to worry about the scams. So we were talking about earlier, as why would somebody fall, anybody, how foolish could they be to fall for this scam? And I said, you know what? How foolish could the Egyptians be to fall for this whole story we've been talking about for what Pharaoh did? How could everybody be so foolish? Well, you have an answer? I'm waiting. Oh, I thought you were going to help me. No, 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 no. The, the clock is ticking. The clock I'm, is ticking. I'm waiting. Okay, go ahead. The audience is lined up now. Okay, well, they're taking a deep breath. Taking a deep breath. So the answer is, there are certain times you want to be fooled. In other words, if money is tight, and I can't afford this, and I can't afford that, and I'm struggling, and somebody says, here's money... I want to believe it. You want to jump on the bandwagon. I want to believe it. Even though my, my brain is telling me you're a fool, you know this can't, or like some, some lady in England has told me a few times that for some strange reason that she'll yeah. take care of me. Yes. Uh, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah, so you've seen yes, the same I've email. I've seen the same email. Uh, okay, good, just checking. I'm just glad she got a big house. Yeah. See? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we could share the money that she's well, offering well, us. Well, yeah. But, but I, I can only imagine people struggle with finances. And if somebody says, here, I'm going to take care of all your issues, you so want to believe it that you just, not everybody, but enough people, obviously, can be taken advantage of. And we have to believe in Egypt and I'm sure Germany, the same, and any other country you want to pick, and Spain, we can go through all the different countries that every time they're starting up with the Jewish nation for basically no reason, but the people want to believe it. I'll get his house, I'll get his business, I'll get, I'm jealous of him. So even though if I sit down and think about it, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't matter. I want it to be true. And if I want it to be true, I will allow myself to be fooled. Correct. Therefore, we have all these scams. And- I mean... So modern day falls back to history. Right, which is, actually brings us full circle right. because I told you the Pharaoh forgot Joseph because I told you it's impossible to not teach history to a monarch. You, you have to know your history. You have to know what happened before because it's going to happen again anyways. Well, we know that even later on in life with Napoleon and others as they move through, you know, everybody always said, you know, Napoleon said, I'm going to go through Russia and I'm going to do this and that. Nobody's ever had done it later on Adolf Hitler tried to do it again and the same thing happened again yeah yeah. you know so history teaches well the problem is people think they can beat history right like I told you like Pharaoh says he's smarter than God and Amram says he's smarter than God and we all think we're smarter than God Napoleon and Hitler everybody thinks we're smarter and and they refuse to look at those things that happened in history it's just it's fascinating very very fascinating it is and you know with the, believe it or not, uh, for our listeners at New Radio Media, um, in the last 15 minutes of our show today, I know we've got a couple of little things we want to touch base on. Sure. Um, we've got a special word coming up. Special word coming up. Uh, we're going to give them our email address one more time because we want them to know how to find us. Right. You can find us, again, the, if you just want to find us, NRM Streams with a Z at the end, either on the, for your Google or for your Apple phone. Um, that'll get you to our special live um, app. 
So you can listen to us live. You can check out the archives. You can see all the different shows we got. You could go to New Radio Media, go down to Community, and then get down to Let's Talk Torah for my show. Other shows you'll find there. It's very easy. Very much so. And uh, I think it's important that they know what kind of shows they can find on New Radio Media, like our arts and entertainment show. Right. Um, our business show, Biz Talk, with uh, Paul Benzman and myself, of course. Uh, Community Channel, where you are housed at. Our uh, Geektainment, uh, right. which is probably one of the more wild channels that we have on our live stream broadcasting station. So we can meet everybody's appetite. And in the last 15 minutes, let's give our listeners a unique word for their appetite. Okay, that's about a unique word. Tony, you ready? Okay, so first we're going to put up, like we did last week, we're going to put up the next letter in the Jewish alphabet. And we look on our big screen. And we look on our big screen, and it's almost up according to Tony. It is the second letter. Ah, here we go. Hey, there we are. There we are. Boy, okay. we look great. We look good. Marvelous. Oh, yes. There's, but that's last week's. That's not this week's. It's all right. We haven't changed that much. No. Well, we, are, we actually had the that's same. The that's wrong, us this week. No, that's the wrong letter. Where's the? Oh, there's the olive letter. Yeah. Our, we need the second letter, Bet. We need the next letter. And yeah. now, of course, it's always possible. Because well, I am so but while they're talented. Playing, while they're playing with it, let's talk about the uh, the second letter for a minute because it has a number of meanings. Uh, Baruch, Bayit. Right. So we're going to talk about, as as I'm. You know, my wife is very good at multitasking. Yes. I maybe in class I can multitask. Are you the champion of multitasking? I am actually probably one of the worst people multitasking you ever saw. Okay. But as I'm looking over here, we're going to talk about the second letter. The second letter is the letter Bays or base. It's actually like a backwards C is pretty much the simplest way to look at it. Here we go. I'm going to just send this over to Tony. I'm going to forward it again. I'm going to include this. Well, while you're playing with that, um, for our listeners out there, the letter B, when we talk about Bayit, uh, for those of you that want to email us and tell us what it means, uh, we look forward to seeing it. Right. But it's used in a multiple faceted way. It's used for, and if I give you the answer, that'll goof it up, though. Oh. So I'm going to give you a different word. Yeah. I'm going to give you a different word. There's two base words. I know. We better go to the second word. Let's do the second word. Because the first word, if I give any connotation to it, we'll blow the answer. Yeah, you can't do that. i got to give away a coffee mug. I can't. Right, we can't give can't a coffee mug away yet. Not yet, not yet. No. So one of the famous Jewish words that almost everybody knows is bracha, or blessing. Blessing. Blessing, a blessing is a bracha. The first letter of the word bracha is a base. So it's very interesting about the word bracha. If you look where the word comes from, there's a similar word. And that word is actually brecha, which means a like a spring. Because a spring is always like adding more water. You have a spring of water, and there's constantly new water coming out. New flow. Out. New flow. And that's really what a blessing is, by the way. A blessing is not that I started with nothing, and now I get something. A blessing really is increasing what I already have. As a famous story about this, one of the famous prophets, uh, Elijah, he went to a poor woman, and she had no food. She owed a tax collectors. They were going to come and take the kids. So he says, do you have anything in the house? He couldn't go, you know, hocus pocus 
and all of a sudden put in, you know, piles of gold. It didn't work that way. <laughs> so she said, I have a small jar of oil and a little cake or something. So he told her son, go around the neighborhood, get every pot you can find. Go get every pot you can find. He brings over the pots. Ah, oh, there it is. Now they got it. Right, but we got the pots. Keep well, let's going. get the pots. Yep. And he starts pouring. He's pouring, and pot after pot is getting filled up. And the kid keeps Now you realize, you know, you're not sure when someone says get all the pots in the neighborhood. Now, you know, go get all no the pots, pots in the, in the neighborhood. neighborhood. And finally, Elijah's in the last pot, and he says to the boy, any more pots? And he says, no, we got them all. And the oil stops. And he says, go sell it, pay your tax collectors, pay your bills, you'll live off the rest. Because blessing means increase. We start with something, and then God increases. God nurtures it to increase. God nurtures it to increase. All these things. But now we got my poster up. There we go. There we go. Love the bet. So there you have, I guess you'd call it a backward C. That's the shape of it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's... A backward C. It's a, it's a, it has you'll notice it has some points on it. Those are called little crowns. So in the back, there's actually a crown that points to the letter preceding it because actually in the Hebrew alphabet, um, we read from right to left, not like English where we read from left, left to right to right. So therefore, it's actually pointing at the letter behind it. To the back, so the letter backwards would be the alphabet. Right. So it's pointing. Now, the problem is if I continue reading the circle, I'm going to give the answer to what the word bias means. I know. We're not, we're not, we'll wait. Keep we're going. Gonna, we're going to keep going. Keep going. Okay. Um, interesting right. enough, it has the numerical value of two. Therefore, um, for different holy reasons, it talks about pairs. The first word in the Torah, by the way, begins with a base. So it's also symbolic that God creates many things in pairs. Um we talked about that. There's a crown on top we talked about. It's, for the most part, it's not rounded. If it be rounded, it's going to look like a different letter we're going to come up with way later. Correct. Uh, let's see. We talked about bracha right on top, right? The base of the beginning symbolizes the world is bracha. But I really want to try to now help Peter with another famous base word. And really, the funny thing is, we, we say the name of the letter is base. But really, it should be bayit or bet. bet. So bet is really the word bayit. And the word bayit, I know you're chomping at the no, bit. That's no, one of the no, circles. No, no. I'm going to throw it to these two and just see if they even understand what we're talking no, about. No. But you're actually in, hypothetically, a bayit. I know. I got, look at the eyebrow. Just, no. Oh. Uh, she talked before about her sister who speaks eight languages. I know. And and and, so and Essie I, speaks one language. So uh, you I've, speak one. I've studied Italian outside okay. of English. Oh, okay. So think of Italian. <clears throat> okay. And we're gonna go in in Italian, the church, the house of study, the house of prayer. Okay. Bayit. House. Gotcha. Okay. And we're gonna take it from that point. Right. So the, the second letter represents it means house. house. So it's the first word of the Torah. It's the first letter in the Torah. Certainly a very important letter if it got its way all the way up Bereshit, first. Yep. Bereshit, yeah. So it symbolizes house. Everything is house. Correct. Everything is house. Our house of study, our, uh, our house. But house, in a Jewish sense, doesn't just mean the physical building I'm living in. No. When we say house, we're really referring to the family structure. That's my house. Actually, throughout the Torah, it will talk about... That uh, Jacob, uh, last week's our portion actually, that Jacob moved his house down to Egypt. So I always ask my class, I said, he moved his house? 
I said, and now uh, some of them have actually seen it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, they take it, has it put up on blocks. I don't know if right. you ever saw this. Yeah. And I don't know how they get it through the streets. Well, they put them, they have to move the, all the utilities and everything else and put them on the rollers to bring them down. You ever seen it? I've seen the houses moved out of Royal Oak. Oh, really? Yeah, so I, there was one house in the neighborhood I saw moved. Beats me why the well, house was worse. they used to move those houses before 696 was built along 10 Mile Road. Some of those were moved. Oh, right. That's almost before my times yeah, in Detroit. In, in Detroit. Pretty but, much. But the reality is it's a mindset. It's our mindset for house. It's saying that if, if I move my family, I don't move the physical family, the, the physical four walls, but I take my family and my extended family, wherever I go, they're always with me. And that's, I think, what we're trying to share with everybody. Yes, definitely, definitely. I want to tell you a cute, I don't know if it's a joke, you take it any way you want. Talk about blessing. So I saw this story this week. There was, and this has happened a lot lately, when you get to graduations, college graduations, high school graduations. So unfortunately, just because of, I guess, the times we live in, people are so afraid of anything religious, so they, they will, you know, they'll put down the rules and regulations and explain to all the speakers that uh, there's no mention of God. I'm, I don't have to, I pledge allegiance. Yeah. I, you know, and I grew up in kindergarten, I pledge allegiance. There's no problem well, saying always, God in school. And we always love it because we have coffee in the morning with one fellow who doesn't believe in God. So I asked him to please put all his money on the table because I don't want him to be offended. Yeah. And I'll take it. I, I will purposely, I will control his cash flow for him. And? He thought he was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> there you have he it. He thought we were all nuts at the table, but we all wanted it. But but we know that this is going on. Okay, now we're early in the school year. But when you get into June, May, June and graduations, and, and a lot of schools are very nervous about any mention of God. So one such school, they had put out the rules and regulations that no one is to mention God in any of the speeches. Okay? Okay. So they went to the first, you know, it gets a little boring. First speech, right. second speech, third. If you've ever been to one, you've been to a whole bunch of them. It's vanilla. Yeah, it's vanilla. So one boy gets up. I guess he was one of the last speakers. Maybe he was a valedictorian. I don't know what he was. He gets up to the microphone and he sneezes. Gesund? Or and, God bless you. Which and one? The, whole, <laughs> the whole 72 children from the graduating class said, God bless you. So they got across the point that they wanted. I thought... I said, if you can remember this story of sneezing and everybody <laughs> saying, God bless you, you get the feeling of what we want with the word Baruch. So as we're rolling down, and I told, I warned Ashley, right? And I don't have to warn you, yep. but did you learn anything today? Well, we always learn. You know, this is the exciting thing about um, sitting in the studio with you, uh, not only sharing with our listeners at New Radio Media, you know, um, today's current events and how they relate to the Torah, but our own personal lives and how we don't even realize we're living the Torah on a daily basis. And I think, as you shared with just the word blessing and the word flow, flowing forward, going forward, embracing more with your family, by the house, um, taking down the four walls, but uplifting your family members, those are the key points. Cool. Ashley, what did you learn today? I actually learned a little bit more about the Moses story from you because I like I grew up religious, so I know the story of Moses. Right. But most of what I actually remember of it is from the Prince of Egypt. Okay. They don't, they don't teach you anything about what happens after the basket. They he he flows up in the basket, and it's actually the Pharaoh's wife who finds him in the movie. And the next thing you know, he's like eighteen. So I did not know any of that about him, his mom, 
breastfeeding him when he was still a baby without them even knowing that he was she was his mom. It was I had no clue about any of that. That is cool. Now I'll be honest with you. I mean, it seems a lot of people that I study with get their knowledge from. We talked a few weeks ago, Joseph and the multicolored dream coat, right. and and was their 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 Bible knowledge is coming from the media. From the media, right? And different aspects of the media, correct? And all you had to do is, if you ever would have opened up a Bible, most of this is right there. It's not maybe some of the details and the deeper stuff, and some of the explanations I give you are not written down right there in the book. But you would have known that his mother nursed him. You would have known that he hangs out now in Pharaoh's palace. Uh, we would know about the slavery and the and the midwives and the throwing into the river. It's all there. It's it's just I don't want to say people are lazy, but they are. But you said it, not me, they Tony. Are. With little time left, can we hear Tony? We always have problems getting Tony hooked up. Uh, Tony's moving those knobs, and so I want to make sure he's paying attention. Are Tony, there. Tony? Can you hear me? Yeah, what? we hear you. Yeah. What did okay. you learn today? Um, actually, I thought the whole thing about the last letter was actually really interesting. Kind of like your take on like a home, a house. I mean, what what it actually means to like the, the religious people? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I would I would tell you by the way. I grew up Catholic, so it was kind of like I mean we had the same view, but it wasn't. It's just a little different, right? But but hopefully it's everybody's view on, on what a, a home is all about. Exactly. I mean that's what it's supposed to be. At. It's it's family. It's family time. It's which is such a hard thing now with all these devices and, we play and it's with. It's so interesting that you say family time because you know what, our time is just about up. Oh, our time is just it's, about it, up. It's it's great that everybody here in the studio at New Radio Media. You know, has shared with all of us uh, their thoughts on today's session, a little bit of what we've talked about, and the two, you know, the second letter, uh, the, the bait, the house, uh, the blessing that we give to everybody. So I turn it over to you to say farewell. Okay. So again, as always, I like, I hope, I hope we gave everybody some food for thoughts. Oh, there goes my music. So again, thank you to our wonderful sponsors. Thank you for Peter coming down again, for Lenard, Tony, Ashley. I hope I left you with some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on New Radio Media. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.